Hey, Scallywags, welcome to another episode of our podcast, A Pirate Talks Guns. I'm your host, John Sello. Sit back, relax, enjoy the show. Hey everyone, I'm John Sello, your host of A Pirate Talks Guns podcast. Want to thank you for dropping in and listening. Today's episode is going to be about mistakes. Want to give a shout out to April for suggesting it. We always appreciate feedback, and April via email communicated to me that she wanted to hear about some mistakes. As an instructor, we get to see a lot of them. One of the biggest mistakes we see is people not knowing their gun, they don't know how they operate. They don't know the controls. Spend some time with your gun and your owner's manual. It'll explain everything. You'll be able to use your weapon effectively and safely that way. Controls are the biggest thing. You have to know where they are, what they do, how to use them. You should be able to run your gun without looking at it. The type gun you have is going to determine how difficult it is going to be for you to learn. Revolvers are incredibly popular because they're very simple weapons. There's only a couple things on them you have to know how to operate. The latch to swing the cylinder open, and the ejector rod to push the spent cartridge cases out. Semi-automatics can be a little more complicated. Virtually all semi-automatics have two controls in common. For instance, if you were to look at a Glock, it's a very simple weapon. No mechanical safety, anything like that. You have basically two controls on that gun. Modern semi-automatic pistols are made where when the magazine runs empty, it locks the slide open. So you're going to have a slide release somewhere on your gun. It'll be a little lever that you push down and it sends the slide forward. It's also going to have a magazine release, something to drop the magazine out of the gun. They're commonly found right behind the trigger guard on the grip frame. Some of the European guns will have that at the base of the grip. Those two controls are going to be pretty common to every semi-automatic you handle. Depending on the brand and the model, there's going to be some specific controls that you're not going to see on all guns. Mechanical safeties are fairly common on single-action pistols. This is, again, going to be a lever of some kind that you have to activate in order to fire the gun. Normally, it's something that you're going to push down with your thumb. Some of the double-action, single-action semi-automatics will have a decocking lever on it somewhere. What that does is it drops the hammer safely on a loaded chamber so you can carry the gun in a double-action mode. Knowing how your gun operates is very important. You get Bobbled up during competition, can't find your mag release, uh, can't find your slide release, things of that nature. It costs you time. On the street, in a defensive situation, that could be very deadly. So you need to know how your weapon operates. Spend some time with it, unload it, ammunition in a separate room, and get familiar with the controls. Find out what does what, how they operate. And again, you should be able to run your gun without looking at it. Another real common mistake we see is loading magazines. 
Just remember, when you load ammunition in a magazine, the bullets go forward. The slide is going to come and strip the round out of the top of the magazine and chamber it for you. If it's in backwards, it's not going to work. Recent concealed carry class I had, one of the students came up and handed me their magazines and asked if they were right. Handed me two magazines, one loaded correctly, one loaded with every round in it backwards. I guess they figured 50-50 shot, one of them had to be right. Not just bagging on concealed carry students. I did a lot of training of soldiers in the military, and I don't know how many of them had their ammunition in backwards in their magazines. It happens. If you're not paying attention or don't know what you're doing, it happens. Uh, one of the most egregious examples of that that I saw, an infantry NCO, nine years in the military, uh, deployment behind him, we were moving up to go to Afghanistan, and we were on the range, and his gun wasn't functioning. He came over to me and said he couldn't figure out what was wrong. I dropped his magazine, and it had a stripper clip jammed in it. Now, in the military, when we get our magazine, or our ammunition, rather, they're in uh, cloth bandoliers with 10-round stripper clips in them. What a stripper clip is, is just a, a little metal channel that holds 10 rounds of ammunition. In that bandolier, there's also a device that you clip to your magazine, and then you put the stripper clip on top of that, and you push down on your, mag on your ammunition, and it forces 10 rounds into the magazine. So you can load your magazine relatively quickly. This particular NCO had jammed the entire stripper clip down into the magazine. I didn't think it was physically possible, but then again, he did it. Another thing we see that's wrong a lot is sight adjustments. Guns with adjustable sights allow you to have your point of aim be your point of impact. In other words, where you're aiming, that's where the bullet's going to go. Most sights will have arrows over the screws and a left or right to let you know which way to turn it to move your shot group. Easiest way to think about this is you move your rear sight in the direction you want your shot group to go. So in other words, if you shoot your, shot, your first shot group and it's off to the left, you move your sight to the right because you want your shot group to move to the right. If it's high, you move your rear sight down and that moves your shot group down. Again, look at your gun. They're normally marked which way the adjustment screw needs to be turned to move your shot group. Students aren't the only ones that make mistakes. Uh, I'm going to bag on us instructors for a while here. Defensive instructors are particularly bad. They'll develop a scenario and have the students run through it. And if they run through it and get the proper hits on the target in whatever time they determine is right for it, they call it good. And they'll run students through the scenario multiple times. Really, all you're doing is teaching the student how to handle that particular scenario. Now, in the military, we had enough intelligence given to us beforehand. Prior to going out on a mission, we'd build what's called a glass house, where we would take engineer's tape and lay out the floor plan of wherever we were going to go into put targets up where we would expect bad guys to be, and we'd run that drill. But 
we, that was specific to a particular building we were going to go into. This doesn't really teach you discretionary fire. It's the same as if you shoot uh, the IDPA, the International Defensive Pistol Association matches. When you go there, before you shoot each stage, you get a walkthrough where the safety officer tells you where the targets are, what order you need to fire at them, and you shoot that for time. It's great training. It teaches you gun manipulation, engaging multiple targets, moving and shooting, reloading, everything you really need, but it's specific to that particular stage. You'll go to the next stage, same thing. You'll get the walkthrough, two targets here, you'll come up here, shoot them there. It's good for teaching the basics of gun handling, but it doesn't really teach problem solving. As an instructor, you want to be able to teach effective problem-solving skills for whatever scenario your student may encounter on the street. You don't want your student going in to a life-or-death situation with the decision-making capabilities of a squirrel crossing the street. The way I like to do it is cover the basics first. You know, cover the moving and shooting, cover the reloads, cover the malfunction drills. When they're comfortable with the gun handling, then present them with scenarios. Send them in cold. They don't know where the targets are, how many they are, how many good guys, how many bad guys, and it's up to them to problem solve. I'm not so much interested in time as I am in them using tactics, which is what they're there to learn. Okay, I'm not there to teach them, okay, if you're walking down the street and you turn the corner and here's this particular scenario, react to it. The real world doesn't work that way. Things come at you fast. You have to be able to think on your feet, prioritize your targets, prioritize how you're going to handle it. By sending students through the same scenario over and over until they get it right, you're not really teaching them anything, and you're just imbuing them with a, a false sense of security and ability. If you send them into a scenario cold, let them problem solve how they think is right, and then debrief them afterwards as to what could be done better or what they may have missed. That's ideally the way to train them for what happens on the street. They, they're not going to know what's going on. Yeah, and you need to do that with multiple scenarios. Send them in cold on multiple scenarios. Another thing instructors do is give uh, students a warm-up prior to uh, in engaging in any kind of scenario. You're not going to get that advantage on the street. You know, you're not going to be able to get six rounds off to make sure your optics on on target, your guns working and all that. It's... Uh, Pretty much going to be everything has to work right then, right now. Hey, if you live in Anderson or just want to know what's going on in the city and the surrounding area, if you didn't realize it, Anderson now has a weekly variety show. Every Monday night it streams live on the Dead Horse channel on YouTube. You can either watch it live while it streams or watch it on demand. It's a variety show format, comedy, current events, interviews with area business folks and everything that's going on i'll leave a link to that in the show notes again that's nighttime with odie on the dead horse youtube channel catch an episode or two of it watch it enjoy it and have fun now getting back to students one of the things we see is 
bad gear choices, uh, bad mistakes in gear choices. I've seen students come out with AR rifles with thousands of dollars worth of equipment on there that they're never really going to use. Uh, I've had them come out with uh, infrared lasers. They don't have a pair of night vision goggles, but they have an infrared laser. Um, you know, that $1,200 unit that they got sitting on top of their gun that looks real cool. The money could have been much better spent in ammunition and learning how to actually shoot the gun. This this is especially bad on the AR platform. ARs are like the Barbie dolls for, for men. They buy a base gun that does everything they need them to do as it comes from the factory, and then they start piling on the accessories because it's the cool guy stuff. Uh, Special Forces runs this, or the SEALs run that. They're not Special Forces. They're not SEALs. They're not going to be using that weapons platform in the same manner that they are. If it's a home defense gun, pretty much a magazine and a flashlight is all you need on it. Same is true for holsters and gun belts, things of that nature. We had a saying in the military, mission drives the gear. You should only have on your weapon what you need to effectively complete whatever mission that gun's intended for. If it's home defense, again, a flashlight and a magazine is pretty much all you're going to need on it. You're not going to be fighting off the Taliban hordes coming up your driveway. Don't need infrared lasers and things of that nature. Another mistake I see a lot of is people's concealed carry gear. You can't just get a nylon holster, a dress belt, and call it good. Kind of like building a house. You have to start with a good foundation. A gun belt is that foundation. A good, dedicated gun belt. Something stiff enough to support the weight of the gun. Keep it in the same place all the time. And yet be comfortable for all day wear. Your holster, depending on how you dress, be it inside the waistband, outside the waistband, has to hold the gun securely, cover the trigger guard, and offer enough of the grip frame so that you can get a proper firing grip on it prior to drawing the gun. You also need to carry spare ammunition. One of the things I hear all the time is I have a 15, 17, 18, however many round capacity pistol Why do I need a spare magazine? Semi-automatic pistol, your first point of failure is going to be that magazine. So you want to carry a spare. If the magazine in your gun goes bad, you can dump it, put the reload in, get back into the fight. If you don't have that spare magazine, you're kind of stuck with the single-shot pistol. And once that happens and you're in a gunfight with a very short, ineffective club, you're going to lose. So you want to be able to get back into the fight and defend yourself. As far as capacity, the only time you have too much ammunition is when you're on fire. All right, that'll wrap up this episode. Again, I'm John Sello, and this has been a Pirate Talks Guns podcast. Hope you learned something from this. If you know one person that might enjoy this podcast, how about recommending it to them? Also, we actively solicit ideas for this podcast. We want to know what you want to hear. So let us know. Either email us, send us a message through our website, any one of our social media channels, and let us know. Until next time, safe shooting and enjoy the summer.